Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, your hostess, and today I have the one and only Dr. Mark Hyman again on my show. Mark Hyman, doctor, thank you so much for being with us again. Thank you, doctor, doctor. Dr. Kelly, what a joy for me to catch a rising star. Pleasure to watch your career. Um, Heard you went to Florida to keynote that meeting and crushed it. So uh, I'm actually amazed that you could work me into your schedule. So thank you for that. Uh, Well, likewise, because you just got back from Kentucky. I did. I had a great time. A lot of wonderful people. I wasn't expecting a lot of intelligent life, but they actually were pretty amazing. It's a wonderful audience. <laughs> it's getting near basketball season, so we have to tweak them. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, and I was—I always um, joke with Dr. Mark because he always has to wear his UNC. So go ahead and say it. I am a Tar Heel baby. <laughs> UNC Adams School of Dentistry. It's my home. Yes, and he, you do a lot of service for that that school continued service. So I know that they appreciate you and your perspective input so much. They're a joy. Love my school. Yeah. So today, um, Dr. Mark Hyman has told me about one of the lectures that he is presenting now, and he has so much experience in this, and he is a, a professional encourager for all dental professionals. And the topic today is, is high-impact dental hygiene teams. So Dr. Mark, what does this mean for you from a dental perspective as a dentist? Sure, Dr. Kelly, I had the privilege of 32 years of private practice. And one of the unanticipated great gifts for me was watching the teammates grow, watching them stretch, realizing that they could get out of their traditional roles. I'm it's like we jokingly say the teammates are like a piece of furniture, right? I'm front desk, I'm chair side. In fact, when you get a turned on, fired up team, that are well-motivated and educated and cross-trained. It's simply unbelievable what can happen. And it it pains me when I hear people talk about divisions in the dental family and post-COVID, how hard it is to get good teammates. And I had the gift, Dr. Kelly, of my receptionist was with me almost 25 years, my lead assistant almost 20 years, three of my hygienists 15 years, another couple 14 years. So uh, they gave me that gift of their love and attention and commitment. 
And I just got to go from room to room telling jokes and they did all the work. So it was a lot of fun. You told you told all the jokes. Did they? Did you tell the same jokes? They pretty much had them numbered. They could go, okay, number 83 with a twist. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen the memes online where it's the doctor is telling the same joke all day? <laughs> I, I am that meme, so... So thank you. No, it's uh, it, and we uh, I think we all do that. But I, I was just you brought that up so we could laugh together about that. What is it in a dental hygienist particularly did, that you think? And I know all the team is important, and I know that that's something that's near and dear to your heart. What particularly about a dental hygienist do you think is that gives that wow factor, that five star to that practice? Sure. Well, in my mind, Doctor Kelly, there's really ten factors that we're going to run over today. And the number one overall is you have to have the right team. Just because someone's got a raw, amazing level of talent doesn't mean they're going to be a good teammate. So Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, talks about getting the right people on the bus and then right people on the bus in the right seat. And so that was a huge thing for me was to find teammates that really understood and owned that. So my hygienist and particularly the first hygienist I had was a chain smoker with a terrible attitude and I had to fire her. And I hired a woman, Cheryl, who said, I'll give you two weeks. And she stayed 14 and a half years. And uh, just amazing, loving, gentle care for the patients and was a good, solid teammate. And as I got further in my career, I ended up with three hygienists, which was Elena, Carla Jean, and Lauren. They each were with me about 15 years. And again, their level of love and loyalty and pride in what they did was just stunning. So nobody just laid out on a sick day. Nobody just went to go shopping instead of coming to the office. Um, There's a segment of all aspects of dentistry where there can be prima donnas in each position. There was absolutely no prima donnas in the hygiene department. They would clean up rooms. They would walk patients in and out. They would jump in and, and assist on procedures. They would take radiographs. They would take photographs. They would do scanning, whatever it took to get the job done. And uh, there was an overall feeling, Dr. Kelly, in the practice, which was of appreciation and respect for each other. And I didn't always have that in my 32-year career, but man, that made a big difference. So particularly my hygienist owned that, and they were willing to do whatever it took to get the job done. If, if a teammate was on vacation or out sick, you know, I say this in the seminar, what happens if the ox cart is in the ditch? You've got eight adults scheduled on your hygiene book, seven or eight. And someone has a death in the family, a spouse, a child, they get ill and can't come in. Do you cancel an entire day or do you consider a day of accelerated advanced hygiene? So in the great state of North Carolina, hygienists are the only one that can scale and probe. But our blessed CDA superstars could do the flossing, polish, fluoride, documentation, applying for care credit, all the different aspects of the what could be a traditional hygiene visit. So that's a way to save the day. So the number one thing for me was to get the right teammates in the practice and that they bought into the philosophy what you were trying to do. Well, it it sounds like that you had such an honor of having those folks with you for so many years that did you you didn't have to go out and hire that much, though, did you either? Because you you had them. Well, we had tremendous love and loyalty and So that made it even more fun because everyone knew the systems and everyone knew the verbal skills. It it pains me when I see peer people say, well, there's a lot of turnover in the office. Why aren't I profitable? Why is the overhead up? Why is the case acceptance down? I'm like, Bubba, that's 
you're just reading the answers right to yourself. And Dr. Kelly had somebody say, Dr. Mark, you just got lucky. You got these wonderful women. Every hygienist that I've mentioned worked for someone else, left that office, came to me and stayed. So a big part of that to me, again, was appreciation, was catching them doing things right instead of doing things wrong. You know, I talk about that in the seminar. Right? So many of my colleagues in dentistry would say to you, Dr. Kelly, I'm going to tell you the three things you screwed up today. Instead of the 97, you did right. So I'll ask that in a seminar. How many of you get too much appreciation? Nobody raises their hand. I'm like, don't you, wouldn't you rather lead by complimenting, by catching people doing things right instead of being critical? Then you're going to reinforce the positive behavior. So the number one thing was to get the right teammates on in the office. The second thing was to get the right coaching and have the right marketing of the practice. For us, we work with Jameson Management. There's wonderful different organizations throughout dentistry, including the amazing work that you're doing, Dr. Kelly. So, but the teammates had to all be all in on that. Early in our Jameson career, we had a teammate that said, when we announced that we were having a two days of in-office coaching, she said, well, there's a concert she wants to go to, so she's not going to be available for the coaching. And I was like, really? <laughs> tell, tell me more about that. She said, yeah, I won't be there. And I said, there's a funny coincidence. You won't be there ever again. Thank you for your time. Hand me your key. You're not doing that. So everyone's got to appreciate that they have to be willing to grow and absolutely not say, this is, this is not what I do. Um, how we market the pro practice, Dr. Kelly, when I left private practice, I had over 1,200 five-star reviews. And a whole lot of that was because of the team. And again, if you think about why is that, it's because they're predictable systems and great communication and that the office is immaculate and the magazines are straight and the plants are watered and there's toilet paper in the bathroom and everybody knows what their job is and they're prepared. So that made it a whole lot more fun when one of the reasons I brought in coaching is I had grown a bankrupt practice. I bought a bankrupt practice in 1986, made it worse. Then we turned it into a top 1% enterprise with respect to production, collection, team retention, case acceptance, and fun. But it wasn't a linear. It wasn't. It was more of a sine wave up and down as we grew. And some of the dips were really awful. And that's where we brought in Jameson for coaching because I was not good at systems. I was a very big picture guy and the details often would escape me. And so our coaches put systems into the practice and things really exploded. Yeah, Jameson is amazing. Uh, the folks over there, they're just, um, they're the salt of the earth people and what they do truly resonates with the team as, as you're saying, and it works and it's sustainable for the practice. So what do you, when a doctor is hiring Dr. Mark, what are some things that they need to look for with folks who they're interviewing? So one of the biggest things, my style, my way to do it is I would do an initial screening of the applicant. And then we would have them come spend a day in the office with pay. They wouldn't see patients. For example, a hygienist would spend a whole day shadowing our hygiene team. And then the team would take them out to lunch at halftime with my charge card for a two-hour lunch. And they'd come back usually by a morning of being with that person. They'd give me the thumbs up or down. Dr. Kelly, the times I got bit in the butt is when I did not listen to my team. I was desperate to hire somebody. And I was like, well, 
man, look, Dr. Kelly's got 20 years of experience. And the team would go, yeah, at 15 different offices. Maybe that's a red flag. So the worst hire ever made my career. I'm a huge Tar Heel fan. The longtime Carolina basketball coach, Coach Dean Smith, was one of my idols and heroes. Had a prospective employee come in and looked at me and said, I think Dean Smith is God. I'm like, okay, so do I. You're hired. It was one of the worst hires of my life. So that was pretty stupid. Uh, Number three for me, Dr. Kelly, was the communication. Again, the systems, morning huddle, planning time for everybody. And as I said, the cross-training. Our hygienists were trained that they could go up, greet a new patient, apply for care credit, take a new patient phone call and go through the protocols that we had when you had someone new on the phone. Our business team was trained. All of them were x-ray certified. They could take an emergency CVCT, Panorex, PA. So if you think about that, the power of everybody doing each other's jobs a little bit, how much more you appreciate each other. So uh, that was wonderful. It's beyond the scope of our time today. But the DISC profile, we would try to do that on our new patients and get a sense. Were they a high D dominant driver? Were they an I and influencing and expressive, a steady or a cautious? So we would go through that. Dr. Kelly, number four, was having a predictable new patient experience. In many offices, when I spoke in Kentucky, almost the entire room, when I asked, how many of you see new patients first? And almost all the hygienists were the first person that a new patient would see. And I was like, wow, okay, that's absolutely a way to do it. In our practice, I would sit down with the treatment coordinator and the new patient in our consult room for a private discussion where we would go over 10 key questions that I tried to ask every new patient, every emergency patient. And it wasn't that complicated, but it was systematic and it really got us off to a great start. And my exit question after a new patient experience, after the new patient workup, as I would look at you and say, Dr. Kelly, can I ask you a question? Do you ever have a dentist start a visit like this? And 100% of the time, they have never had a doctor sit down and talk to me like this. So then my treatment coordinator, who was often a hygienist, would take the CBCT, Panorex, uh, SLR photographs, would seek the patient to a full mouth exam of the existing restorations, perioprobing. Then Dr. Wonderful would come back in and I'd get with our DigiDoc intro camera and I would go tooth to tooth and we would tour the mouth where I wouldn't say virtually anything besides, wow. Mm, mm, wow. I'd always try to show something good. Say, Dr. Kelly, look at your tooth here. Man, this is perfect. You're doing a beautiful job keeping this clean. Way to go, superstar. Then I'd go to another tooth and just go, wow. And they're like, what's that line? And I'd say, what do you think it is? And they'd say, is that cancer? I'm like, no. I'd say, is that a crack? Yes, ma'am. How can I help you? So it was open-ended, non-judgmental. We'd celebrate the good and finish that tour. And then we would study the pictures, x-rays, data, and have the patient back for a consultation where we'd do a presentation of the findings. So that was really cool. Number five was a technology. Dr. Kelly, the hygienists have to be engaged in using technology. It breaks my heart when I hear someone, how many operatories do you have, doc? Eight. How many cameras do you have? One. Who do you use it on? Everybody. I'm like, your mama, you use it on everybody. You can't possibly... There's no, no I had eight operatories. I had eight DigiDocs. We took a picture on every patient for every procedure before, during, and after. It was the most unbelievable part of our experience. I'm an isolated. I get to see what you see. I'm sorry? 
they get to see that they get to see what you see. Yeah, we celebrate the healthy. We see changes. Then I put it back to the patient is how healthy you want to be, how soon you want to get there. Well, Dr. Mark, can we watch it? I'd say you can do anything you want. It's your body. However, how would you feel if this were this crack got worse? Well, crowns are expensive compared to what? To if it splits vertically and they got to pull it, bone grafted, implanted, custom abutment. So that was a big way to look at that. As I said, technology, we had a digidoc in every operatory. Dr. Kelly, you know I'm an isolite addict. At eight operatories with eight isolites, we used isolites on every patient. We used onset, the buffering of the local anesthesia, so the patient was numb in 90 seconds instead of 15 minutes. We used the super topical, that lidocaine, prilocaine, tetracaine mix. Using that, I don't know how many of your hygienists that you teach, Dr. Kelly, to use that. But then you don't even need to numb a patient for scaling root planting if you paint them with that super topical. Um, for our hygienists, we had Cava Bombs, Profi Jets available. Uh, Pearl, the AI, is a wonderful technology that's coming up. And I know you're a master educator with the iTero, with the CERAC, with the digital scanning for patients. Now, for a traditional hygienist that says, well, I don't do any of that stuff. I'm just a hygienist. I just scale. I'm like, wow, what are you, aren't you missing in a tremendous way to avoid burnout in your profession and to be more interested and really yes. impact your patients? So that what I that's part of the ultimate private practice hygienist to me is to be aware of that and to use this this technology. For hygienists that say to me, Dr. Mark, there's no way to grow in the practice. Well, there absolutely is. So when we did form the position of treatment coordinator, our hygienist, my hygienist Elena, was my number one producing hygienist. <clears throat> She's spoken at the ADA. And Dr. Kathy Jameson told me to make her my treatment coordinator. I'm like, how stupid is that? Take my number one producing hygienist and take her out of the clinic. So I, I fought that for about a year, finally did it in the first six weeks on the job. Elena added $80,000 of production and just stuff lying around that wasn't followed up on. So that was really pretty amazing. Wow. Um, number seven is, I think, again, everyone in the office has to be able to talk money. Dr. Kelly, I don't know what you teach your students in Virginia, but for me, and I hear so many doctors go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm the doctor, I don't talk money, or the hygienists say, that's not my job, front desk does that. And I think if you believe in the mission, vision, purpose of the practice, if you believe in the doctor and the quality of care that he or she and the entire team is delivering, you ought to be able to look at a patient and say, your investment to keep this tooth is 1508 you got three ways to save money. So to be able to discuss that with people, uh, I when I talk to business team teammates and I say, how many of you ask the patients, would you like to pay today? And a lot of them raise their hand and I'm like, what do patients say? They say, no. Can I get back to you? Can I pay you as I can? Well, I forgot my checkbook. I'm like, yo mama, you forgot your checkbook. So we give folks a choice of three yeses. Dr. Kelly, there are three ways for you to save money. Prepay a week before you get a 5% bookkeeping courtesy. The day of the visit, use your charge card to get airline miles. Or a financial partner care credit where I would say to you, Dr. Kelly, how many dollars a day are comfortable for you and your family? And it's just a riot to me when someone's holding a cup of Starbucks and you say a crown's $1,500. Man, that's, that's too much. And I'm like, well, it's a cup of Starbucks a day for a year. And all of a sudden they go, oh, okay. So just a, a 
a, a way to look at that. Well, I like that you broke, broke it down into a daily cost because I think that that's more malleable versus e- even a monthly cost. And some people, what's expensive? Well, I know you say compared to what? Um, what, what people think that they can't afford when you look at the iPhones and you look at the technology that they have or whatever, it's, it's the priority and dentistry only gets more expensive. You know, it's interesting. Somebody said to me, well, dentistry is really expensive. And the answer to that is dentistry is not expensive. Neglect is. I didn't put the cavity, the gum disease in your mouth. Lovingly, you brought that upon yourself for whatever the reason, genetic, home care, history, fevers, trauma. I I get it. But we in the dental family didn't cause that. So just food for thought for that. The eighth thing, Dr. Kelly, for me, for a super duper star hygienist is your continuing education. And I I know you're on the road 53 weeks a year teaching. And thank you for what you're doing for the profession and for all our fellow road warriors that are out there teaching. But for me specifically, the most impactful thing I did inside of dentistry was go to the Pankey Institute in Key Biscayne, Florida. They have team courses for hygienists and assistants. But the whole concept of buying into the philosophy of total patient care, optimal care, it really is a different way to look at treatment and a powerful way to look at treatment. I spent time at Spear Education as well. I got to have lunch with Dr. Pete Dawson. I've heard Dr. John Coy speak. So there are different paths to God. I'm not hocking any one, but just everybody could benefit from that. For myself, I tried to set a continuing education goal of 100 hours a year. And I would love that if our hygiene brothers and sisters would do the same thing. And it always kills me when someone says, well, what, what's the minimum I have to have? And I'm like, you don't have to do anything. What what are you trying to achieve professionally? You're just going to mail in a performance or you want to try to be world-class. So I, I knew my limitations and knew I had to learn a whole lot more. So inside of dentistry, my time at Dale Carnt was time at Panky changed my life. Outside of dentistry, the most impactful thing I did was study the Dale Carnegie material. Uh, Dr. Kelly, I don't know how many of your listeners or you have read How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's absolutely life-changing material. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I took that class, the initial Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends, and also took their two-day HIP high-impact presentation, which is a two-day grilling on public speaking presentation, whether one-on-one to a patient, client, customer, or to an audience of a thousand people like you had in Florida. So it doesn't matter which to me. But that changed my life, and I sent my entire team through Dale Carnegie training. And Dr. Kelly, just recently at a seminar, someone raised their hand and said, but, 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 that was, wait a minute, how much is that? I said, well, $2,000 a teammate. And they said, man, that's a lot of money. What happens if they quit? And I said, well, so you tell me what happens if you don't send them to Dale Carnegie training, and they stay. So it's just a different way to look at, at things. And I sent my blessing. There's so many doctors who say that. What happens if I spend this money and then they yeah. quit? I hear yeah. that all the time. When I I that's not me. a smarty answer. Maybe you've got a better one for me. But I think that's my answer is, what if you don't get training in how to win friends and influence people and they stay? So I was, I had a rule in our practice that I will pay for any continuing education course for my team. 
inside or outside of dentistry, if their church, synagogue, mosque was having a CE event with a cost that it would improve them personally, it would enhance me because they're part of my life. So I would pay for anything. Uh, when we brought orthodontics into our practice, Dr. Kelly, we brought in clear aligners, which I know you're teaching the scanning and six month smile short, short term banded orthodontics. What do you think the first thing I did? I sent Elena, my hygienist, and another one of our teammates to take the training first because they ran the office. And I was like, will this fit our practice? Does this fit the culture? Can we deliver excellence? And I did a dozen Invisalign cases and a dozen six-month smile cases. Dr. Kelly, you know what I learned about orthodontics? (laughs) It's hard. The teeth don't go where I tell them. (laughs) When I have a brand new diamond burr and I'm hitting a tooth at 400,000 RPM, the teeth go just where I tell them. Right. With clear aligner therapy, if the patients comply, the results are fantastic. I had somebody come in after a few months and said, you know, I didn't even wear these, so can I get my money back? I'm like, no, but thank you for playing today. You know, here's another thought as an adult. You bought them. How about just give me one day of wearing them 23 hours and let's see what happens. And he ended up wearing them and doing fine. Dr. Kelly, number nine is to have a trusted mentor again. When I think about the high impact hygienists, when I think about how many hygienists have a PhD, I think of Rella Christensen and you and a handful of other folks in hygiene. And God bless you all for that commitment. Uh, There's just magnificent educators. All over the country, Karen Davis in Texas, Drew Halverson in Oklahoma, at, at UNC, we've got uh, Jen Harmon, who's dynamite out of Charlotte. We've got Rachel Wall um, and many, many, many others. Trisha Oksanu out of California, Christy Minaj Bernie out of California. I don't mean to leave someone off the list, but um, I have a picture of superstar hygienist, which you're on, that I show in my seminars. And just what a gift you all are to your brothers and sisters in hygiene and to other teammates. And Dr. Kelly, the final thing for me for a high-impact hygienist is just to commit to exceptional, exquisite patient care. My dear friend, coach, and mentor from the Panky Institute, Dr. Erwin Becker, looked at me one day and said, Mark, the reason most patients haven't accepted optimal care dentistry is that no one ever offered it to them. So that is my hope and prayer for our hygiene brothers and sisters and everyone in the dental families to make the decision right here, right now, to have the audacity to ask, to have the audacity to ask permission to offer the very finest dentistry you have to offer with no fear of failure. A wonderful expression. I think you probably caught me, taught me this, Dr. Kelly. Two things happen when you ask and one when you don't. So I would ask our teammates, what's the worst thing that can happen if you ask your patients to accept the finest care you have to offer? They might say no, but a whole bunch are going to say yes, and we'll be so busy we can't see straight. So that's kind of the 10 things that I outlined in the seminar, Dr. Kelly, getting the right team, the right coach, the right communication, the right new patient experience, technology, treatment coordinators, comfortable financials, continuing education, the right mentors, and exquisite patient care out listening the competition and uh i I so love being in front of a room of hygienists they pretty much to a person were clearly smarter than me 
and engaged and great questions. And uh, we had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. I am so appreciative of you sharing your insight with us today. That's you gave some hallmark pieces of advice to our audience. And when are you presenting that course again, Dr. Mark? Are you, is it coming up in one of the upcoming years? That's a good question. Um, I'm speaking at the ADA this year, that SmileCon in Orlando next month. Yes. And I'm at the Hinman in March in Atlanta, as far as the biggies coming up. And uh, I don't recall if I'm doing that exact course, but every time I speak, I talk about these principles and talk about my hygiene, my, my priceless gem, hygienist. And it's just kind of amusing. Our assistants call it our hy- hygienists, their hyenas or their hygienies. And our hygienists call themselves their hygieniuses. And that's what they were. Our hygienists were geniuses and such a gift to work for. And that's the way I consider it, Dr. Kelly, is I worked for them. They showed up with a smile on their face with passion and enthusiasm and love and caring and humor. And we just crushed it. And um, there's not a person that's going to listen to this. It can't do something the next day that can raise their game and raise their team. And I hope this has been an inspiration for folks. And I think you're a great gift to dentistry, Dr. Kelly, and the dental handoff. You've had just some amazing people on and then me. So it's okay too, but uh, it's always to be here. <laughs> Twice. I just love you so much. And then hopefully I get to interview you again at ADA SmileCon. It'd be a joy. Both going to be there. That's your second yes. ADA Thank in you so much for your- And how many, how many years have you been on the cover of dentistry today? Um, a three, and then this December will be number four. Yeah, it'll be number four this year. How many years have you been on a Dr. Weiber? Oh, since 2001, but I got shoes older than you, so that makes a big difference. You know, I should have got autographs from you while they were affordable, but uh, no, <laughs> let's see if I can get one on eBay any anytime, anytime. Well, thank you so much for your gift of time and insight today. Uh, if you all want to contact Dr. Mark, there his information is in the show notes as always. And please to my listeners, if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor and go on over to Apple and give me five-star rating review, and then hop on over to YouTube, like subscribe and share with all the people that you love. Thank you to each of you who do what you do every day to care for the patients in our community. We'll see you next time. Thank you. 